The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. We're continuing in John chapter 10. I'm focusing this morning on verses 30 through 41, but we have to have it in context. So we will start back in verse 24 and beginning reading there down to verse 39. When you're there, please stand. It is our tradition to stand for the reading of God's word. Jesus is in, in the Solomon's porch, the temple. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, And I told you, you do not believe. The works that I do in the Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they know me, or they follow me. I give eternal life to them. They will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. I and the Father are one. And the Jews picked up stones again to stone him, and Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you stoning me? And the Jews answered him, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. And Jesus answered them, Has it not been written in the law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods, whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said that I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Therefore, where they were seeking to seize him and he eluded their grasp, you made it be seated. To be honest, there's a lot of consternation, controversy regarding part, particular part of what I've read here today. There is a whole movement claiming to be Christian that takes this to a whole nother level and takes it to the point of blasphemy and apostasy. So I want to address that, and I will, but I first just want to take that statement, I and the Father are one. It cannot be taken outside of its context. But let me, without being too technical for you, if I wanted to literally read this, uh, transliterate it, bring it to English, if you will, literally, I and the Father, one thing are we. And you go, where does it say that? Well, without being too uh, technical, uh, the word hen in, in Greek for the word one is neuter. It's not masculine, it's not female. There's two different words for those in masculine and feminine. So it means one thing. And then we have the word espen, which is, we're translated here, are. Out of the 50, I think, three times it's used in the New Testament, 
every one of them, save two, is translated, we are, or are we, here, and then in Acts 17, 28, where you all will recognize this, for in him we live, we move, and we have our being, that our being is literally this word, in him we live, we move, and we are. So they say being, or some versions say exist, we exist. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. That second we are, same exact word. So it is totally appropriate and okay to rather, I and the Father, one are we. Or we are one. In particular, one thing, not one person, one thing. Now, I'm not the one who first noticed this. This was noticed centuries and centuries, more than a thousand years ago by uh, biblical scholars and Greek experts. So I don't claim to be one. I just have the right guys to read, I guess. But let me put this, this I and the Father, we are one. Let me put it again in its context. Listen, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life or give eternal life to my sheep. They will never perish. No one snatched them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my hand. Now, let me give you some old... This is yanked right out of the Old Testament. All of it, including what Jesus says later, he pulls out of Psalms. Psalms 95, 6 and 8. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let's kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God. We are the people of His pasture, the sheep of his hand. Old Testament says the people are Jesus, are the Father's sheep in his hand. Jesus calls them my sheep. Says no one will take them out of my hand. That goes on to say don't harden your hearts. Deuteronomy 32 and 39. See now that I, I am. There is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have given them eternal life. He's claiming the works of God. He's claiming the sheep of God. I have wounded, and it is I who heal. There is no one who can deliver out of my hand. Isaiah 43, starting the end of verse 12. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Even from eternity, I am. There is no one who can rescue from my hand. I act who can reverse it. Now, Jesus is talking to Pharisees, experts in the Old Testament. When he says, my sheep, my sheep, listen, my sheep, hear. No one's going to take my sheep out of my hand. Then he throws that part in, my father has given them to me who's greater than all, no one snatch it out of hand. He is pulling right out of the Old Testament imagery of God the Father, the people being his sheep, no one could take it out of him, and he is the I Am. Jesus is claiming that he and the Father are A, doing the same work, B, have the same power, C, seek the same purpose. So the Jews picked up stones to stone him again. And, and I, I point this out because what Jesus says later, some people say diminishes what he declares here. I would suggest not. But notice it says they picked up stones again to stone him. Well, when was the first time then? And that was in John chapter 8. 
where he says, if you knew me, you'd know the Father. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. He does nothing on his own. He only speaks of the things he's seen the Father do. His words are the same words as God's. That's verse 26, 28, and 38. He gives eternal life. And the Jews said, hey, I know you have a demon, which is something they just said of him here. Who do you make yourself out to be? That's what they ask in chapter 8. Not what do you make yourself out? Do you make yourself out to be a prophet? That's a what. But who? And they talked about Abraham being their father. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Yeah, I lowered the tone there on purpose. So the previous time they wanted to stone him, he was claiming to be, I am. And they picked up stones, still in verse eight, verse, or chapter 8, verse 59. They picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus set, hid himself and left the temple. So here, they're having the same response because Jesus is saying the same thing. So Jesus asked this question. Okay, you want to stone me? For what of my father's good works that I did, which of these do you want to stone me? Very similar to what he'd said previously, because remember, this is in context. His I and the Father are one are in context. He said this earlier in 17. My Father is working until now, and I am working for this reason. Therefore, the Jews were seeking to kill him. See, the Jews understand when he's saying he and the Father are, are their works one and the same. They, they understood he wasn't saying he was just a good man, a good prophet, and a great teacher. Goes on to say, but was he, that they were wanting to stone because he was calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. It even goes a step further here. Jesus does. Truly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless he sees the Father doing it. Whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. So here when he's confronted with this and they want to stone him, he says, wait a minute, I've already told you I'm doing what the Father has told me, only what I see him do. Me and the Father are working together in this. So which one of these works the Father and I are doing do you want to stone me for? The Jews understood, and you'll hear this more than once today, understood that when Jesus was saying he was united with the Father in action, works, power, and purpose, he was declaring himself equal with God. That's why they wanted to stone him there. And the Jews answered him, for a good work, we do want to stone you, but for blasphemy and because. Now look at the first time they said, because you make yourself equal, God. Listen to what they say this time. You being a man, make yourself out to be God. First of all, the Jews knew that Jesus was a man, not a spirit, not an angel, because there's some who argue it was really Gabriel. You can't get around this fact that the Jews knew that Jesus and understood that Jesus was claiming to be God. You can't jump past that here. Now, could they have been mistaken? Sure. But then you've got to go back to chapter 8, mistaken there. Chapter 5, mistaken there. Jesus never corrects their mistakes. He keeps supporting it. If Jesus was a lying con man or deranged in some way, crazy like they had said, then Jesus would be committing blasphemy. The only way that Jesus isn't committing blasphemy is if he is God. That's, that's the only way this isn't blasphemy. And therefore they were seeking to kill him. And Jesus then goes, it is written in the law, 
I said you are gods. This is a quote from Psalms, okay, from Psalms 82. Said that you are gods, and if he called gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, I say to him whom the Father sanctified, how do you say to him to whom the Father sanctified sent into the world that you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Recognize this. Jesus is defending himself against the accusation of blasphemy. He is not recanting what he just said. Let me read to you from Psalms 82. God takes his position in his assembly or assembly of the mighty ones. He judges in the midst of the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Who's that? These gods. And I'll, don't worry, I'll get there. Vindicate the weak and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Save them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk around in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. And I said, you are gods, all who are sons of the Most High. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, God, judge the earth. For you possess all the nations. Yeah, I, I, can, I can hear the wheels turning up there, folks. God had appointed judges, men to judge, to rule in Israel. In so much as representing God, they had the authority over the temporal fate of people. They could sentence someone to death. They were representatives of God. We know that God says no one can take life, but he gives that capital punishment authority to governments, in particular there in Israel, in Israel uh, Jewish government. He reminds these gods, these judges, these guys who this authority has been delegated to, so metaphorically standing in for God, that you guys have judged unjustly and you're going to die like anybody else. You're not gods, you're just men that he appointed to judge. Please note that Jesus is not taking the statement, you are gods, and applying it to all people, all humans. No, he, in context, is those he'd set up as judges, as rulers. There are those who try to tell you, because Jesus, God said this, and Jesus backs it up, that you and I are gods, and they qualify. Well, we are God's little g. I won't mention any names. But again, this is metaphoric in the sense that they stand in for God, that God has delegated the right to judge to them. These men, again, judged unrighteously so. They didn't use the authority that they were given for God's purposes, for God's work, for the goal that God had. They used it for their own. So Jesus is basically saying this, would you accuse the psalmist of blasphemy when they simply were just simple representatives? And by the way, scripture can't be broken. So before you want to accuse this guy of blasphemy, realize you're talking about the words of God. If those who were held to this appointed office or this appointed office were referred to God's in this manner, how much more then can the son say the same thing? He's not diminishing, saying he's like one of these. He's saying, wait a minute, here they are on this level, and God calls them that metaphorically. How much more could the son of God, who God sent, who does the work of God for the same goals, for the same person, how much more than that? He is not here diminishing what he said. He's saying, wait a minute, if what I'm saying is true, how much more can I say it than these guys? Jesus then goes on to reassert that same claim. If I do not do the works of the Father, then don't believe me. Don't believe what? Don't believe what I say, what, the word, what I've just said. You don't have to believe what I just said if I'm not doing the works of the Father. But if I do them, that is the works of the Father, though you do not believe what I said, believe the works. They're God's works so that you may know and understand. Now watch. 
that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. That's the breaker right there. Because in, in a sense, you know, we're all God's children in a sense. Right? God's in us in a sense. Okay? God is in creation in a sense, but we're not pantheists. You know what I'm saying? We're, we don't believe God's in the tree in that sense. The tree is God. But then he goes, once, but wait a minute. I'm in the Father. Now you've gone too far. I, I can maybe make it out where you could say the Father's in you and he's in me. But now you're in him? Wait a minute. See, he's reasserting what he said. He's not denying what he said. In particular, I think one of the works that he's claiming to do, Christ is claiming to do, is one we know only God can do. I give eternal life. And that eternal life is secure in me as much as it is in the Father's hand. And he uses that language out of the Old Testament. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him. They recognized he, he is supporting what he just said. They didn't go, oh, okay, then never mind. You're just claiming to be a judge like one of those guys. Okay, good. Glad got that out of the way. We don't have to kill you. No, he reaffirms this, and that's even more so. It motivated them more to want to take his life. We have to confront this idea. Who is Jesus? Now, some of you were here Wednesday night when we went over Ligonier does a state of theology, Ligonier Ministries, does a state of theology survey in the United States every two years, biannually. Two years ago, we took part in that. And it's intriguing to me when they ask this question, do you, and it's either, you know, agree, strongly agree, disagree, or strongly disagree. Jesus was a Greek teacher, but not God among evangelicals. So I'm not putting anything against Lutheran, my Lutheran friends or Episcopalian friends or whatever. They're, they're not in the category of evangelical. And I'm not going to break all that apart this morning. But you is evangelical. Most of the churches you know are evangelical. 43% agreed with that statement that Jesus was a great teacher but not God. Take a church with 100 people in it. Just statistics. Oh, is that true of every church? No, but we're having to average that out. 43 out of 100 say Jesus was not God. We have got a problem in the evangelical church in America. We have to come to grips here with what Jesus said about himself. C.S. Lewis, in his, well, it was originally a set of broadcast he gave on the BBC during World War II, put together in a book called Mere Christianity, on page 55 and 56. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him, kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that door open to us, and he did not intend to, end quote. You're left with those choices. Crazy man, 
That's what they claimed, right? Demoniac, they claimed that as well. Or, he's telling the truth. It either is blasphemy or it is not. That's what you're left with. You have to confront what Jesus said about himself. Let me go through some of the things that Jesus said about himself. And I only do it this morning that those watching, listening, sitting here will make that what are you going to do with what Jesus said? Are you going to be like 43% of the evangelicals and say he was a good teacher, but not God? That's the question. He claimed to be the exclusive one and only way to God, John 14 and 5. By the way, there's others. I'm trying to use all claims in the book of John, in the gospel of John. He claimed he could forgive sins. He claimed that to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. He claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to have seen God the Father. He claimed that he was sent to earth by God the Father. If you want scriptures, references for these, email me. I'm not going to read them all off right now. Okay, like the one I just said you, there's like seven of them right here. He claimed to come from heaven. He claimed to do God the Father's work. He said that one must serve him to be honored by God. Didn't know that was in there, did you? John 12 and 26. He said that if you obey his commandments, you will be loved by God. He claimed to raise people from the dead. He claimed to be able to give them eternal life. He taught that if you believe in him, you would have eternal life. He claimed complete universal authority. And I want to put in this context, that's done just by the title Son of Man out of Daniel chapter 7. You need to read what authority that Son of Man has. Just when he does that, he claims that kind of authority. Out of Daniel 7 and Daniel, uh, which he proclaims in John 9. He claimed to pre-exist Abraham. He claimed to have existed before the universe was created. That's a loony man, if it isn't true. He claimed that he was self-existent. He claimed to be the Son of God. He said that believing in God is the same as believing in Him. He said to hate Him is to hate God the Father. He said to see Him is to see God. He claimed equality with God. He claimed to be God. He said He would return to God the Father. He claimed that everything He taught was from God the Father. He said if people would not believe what He said... They would die in their sins. He said that he would raise from the dead. He said that he would come back. He said that he would judge every human being. And he said he is the Savior of the world. So you've got a whole lot more to deal with than him saying, I and the Father, we're one. I think when we get to this idea of arguing about those who want to diminish who Christ is to a great teacher, started with this. They do not hold to... The inerrancy, complete sufficiency, and supremacy of Scripture. All those things Jesus claimed to be. Well, no, he really didn't. John just made it up. That's what John put on him. Jesus never. I'm sorry, there's so many claims there. Then we just might as well take the whole Gospel of John and say the whole thing's a fabrication. Oh, well, wait a minute. He says a lot of the same things in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We might as well get rid of those too. Well, that's the New Testament, Pastor. We know the Old Testament, though. That may not. Really, Jesus said the volume of the book's written of me. 
He says, Moses wrote of him. That's the first five books of the New Te- Old Testament. You have to come to grips with this. Jesus is either who he said he is God incarnate or he's a crazy man. If he's not a crazy man, he's the biggest con man to ever come along. There hasn't been a con man who changed the dates of history. Even if you don't like the, the year of our Lord and before Christ and you use the modern CE common era, let me ask you a question. What did your common era start? The same time. Jesus changed how history is referred to. That's a heck of a con man. And maybe that's what you choose to believe. But if you're wrong... I'm going to ask you a question. How many con men got out of the grave? Well, how do we know he got out of the grave? Well, for one, it's empty. For one, there's 500 witnesses, four of which wrote it down for you just so you'd have it. Now, how many of you were around to see George Washington? How do you know George Washington existed? Somebody wrote about him. Eyewitnesses. So you don't believe what Jesus said, even though we have four eyewitnesses. Well, how do you know that that... I can't get into that today. How do you know that Bible is what... Come to Wednesday nights. We talk about that kind of thing. My challenge is this. Do you believe Christ's own words? Now, today I confined his words to the book of John. If I go to his words in Revelation, which I read from this morning for the children, or the other Gospels, or Isaiah... Those any other, all those other places. How do you deal with it? The Jews knew what Jesus was saying. They didn't dumb down what he's saying to mean something else. They wanted to kill him because they knew that is what he was saying. Jesus is God. What do you do with that? What do you do with the cross? If Jesus is fully God and fully man. Notice the Pharisees knew he was fully man and fully God. When he says that he took our sins, what do you do with that? you got to come to grips with that. You can't just play it. To be honest, to say, well, I'm not sure, is to ignore it. If I came to you, stood up here today, and told you I was George Washington, and tried to convince you that I was George Washington, would you keep coming back each Sunday and go, yeah, well, we'll see? You'd haul me away. Well, no, because I'm identifying as George Washington, so that's okay. My truth is different than your truth, so... You have to deal with this. How do you deal with it? If Jesus is God, he is ruler and sovereign over all that is. This is why he says things like, go out and teach the people, make disciples of nations, teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. He didn't say the Father because he and the Father are one. Teach them. Why, why should they bother? Because he's the sovereign ruler of the world. And one day, there's going to be a time when there's going to be some seals get broke open. Where God's going to bring justice and judgment to the earth. There is only one who is worthy to open the seal. The only one who can even look upon it is Jesus, the lamb that was slain. The same God, the same man that made this claim you're going to have to stand in front of and call him a liar, a con man, or Lord. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. 
If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's unchanging word.